Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey, everybody. Hi. We are so excited to be here today with Kim Steele. She is with Kim Steele and Associates in Marietta, California. Hopefully I said that right. Um, And I have followed Kim for a really long time on social media. And I just feel like you are a an extremely authentic and a cool person that we just needed to have on the show and talk to. So start with your journey. I know you were military before you were in real estate. So tell us about that a little bit and just how you came into real estate and how that journey progressed for you. Um, okay. So Chris actually was doing, so my husband, Chris, he's my business partner. Um, Chris McCullough and associates didn't, didn't have the same ring. Um, (laughs) so Chris has been doing, he actually was still doing, um, or he was already doing real estate while he was in the Marine Corps. He wasn't doing retail. He wasn't licensed. He was doing a lot of flips, um, and some different things like that with, with the investment side. And so, um, when he got out, we kind of just decided, you know, we're going to go into that full time. So I actually got out back in 2005. I got out of the military in 2005 and, um, I went to work as a DOD contractor, you know, basically a government sponsored computer nerd. Um, and I did that for another seven years. So I did that until 2012. Um, and he was still active duty. So around 2012, I just, I became a mom and, um, I did not want to keep going to the places and doing the things that I had to do in that career. Um, you know, flying off to Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and Iraq and Afghanistan. I just, I didn't want to do that as a mom. So um, we made a decision to get out of that and basically go full bore into real estate full time. He was still active duty, but he was kind of, I don't know if any of you are military affiliated, but when you're kind of riding that downslope, like the last 24 months, you sort of, to retirement, you sort of are on your own program. So he was able to, to, you know, be off a lot and, and give this a lot of time. So, um, and basically I went ahead and got my license. I never intended to become this, you know, big, like everybody knows who I am and I'm going to be, you know, sell millions of dollars of real estate. Literally the reason I got my license was because he was doing flips. I was helping him do the flips by that point. We absolutely hated real estate agents and we were tired of giving them our money to do crappy jobs. So, um, cause they did. They sucked. All of them sucked. And I was like, look how much money. I mean, here in SoCal where the price points are, look how much money we're giving this person. And they don't even call us back. Like just, you know how agents are. Uh So Chris was like, look, why don't you get your license since you wanted to go and quit your six figure job? Why don't you, (laughs) why don't you get your license? And then you can just list our flips. And you'll probably wind up doing that for some of our other like flipper buddies because we were in the investment clubs and all that. I said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So I got my license um, and that was all I ever really was going to do with it was just kind of be the flippers agent. Um, And the market started to turn, I would say around 2014. We couldn't find flips anymore. Um, Our client base, our friends, our other flippers couldn't find flips anymore. We weren't making money. Um, or we were getting outbid on everything, or we were only finding properties where the numbers just didn't work. And Chris came home with the brilliant idea one day and said, you know what, let's start, let's start a real estate. You know what, I'm going to get my license too. Cause we had, so we had two other business partners in our little investment company said, why don't we all get our license and we'll start a team. I'm like, okay, (laughs) out of the blue. And it was so fast. Like everybody was like, okay. So the, um, him and the other two guys, um, one of them still with us, Adam Nagari, you've probably seen him on social media as well. He's still our business partner. Um, they all got their license and, uh, the rest is history. 
And honestly, what's funny is that's why it got named after me because in the state of California, the team branding and naming regulations are so absurd. Don't get me started on the DRE today, by the way. Well, I'm going to ask. Don't, I'm gonna don't. ask. <laughs> uh, by that, I mean, please get me started on the DRE. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the naming regulations are so insane here. Um, so there's, it, it, it's just this, like, it's, it's almost like one of those, you know, it's like, when it's like, take one thing from column one and one thing from column B and something from column F, but if you have column F, then you also have to have G, but then it's, I mean, it's like, well, it has to have the last name of, of a licensed person, but then it can't be worded this way and you can't use the word realty and you can't use the word, it's insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. So one of the very few words that's approved is associates. So, and I was the only one with a license when we started. Hence, here we are. Um, I know, but I love it. I love your branding. Like, it uh, really did work out. Um, it really did work out really, really well. Um, and yeah, it's just, it just, so it just kind of went from there. And, uh, you know, even before all those guys were licensed, they were already so good at, at prospecting and sales because that's a big part of, of going out and finding flips and stuff as well. So they were already so good at that. Um, and they just moved over and they kind of made themselves ISAs in a way while they were in their licensing process. And then I would go out on all the listing appointments and we like took over our little town of Fallbrook. It was insane. Like we, people were literally like, who are these people? Where did they come from? And the way we did the brand with our faces on the signs and then just blanketed that little small town with it. And it, it just exploded. It absolutely exploded. Um, you know, with the social media presence, it's a little bit of an older demographic as far as the agents go in that town. There wasn't a lot of social media marketing going on. There wasn't a lot of, you know, agents being out there in the social media sphere. And we just exploded onto that um, and exploded our faces onto every street in town overnight. And you know, when you're new like that, you'll take any listing. Like we, we had mobile homes. We had, um, we took overpriced listings like because that was Chris's and really in that, and that's Chris, that's not me. Chris is a branding and marketing genius. So that was really Chris's strategy is, is, was just, look, we may not sell this. We may get lucky. The market was pretty good, but it was, you know, let's just put our face everywhere. Of course, we don't do that now once we're experienced. You have an overpriced listing. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't have time. But back then when you're new and you're trying to really put your brand everywhere, that's a big part of what we did. Or we'd have like a, like a $90,000 mobile home, but it would be, you know, we'd strategically put the, the directionals like, so it looked like it was in a nicer place. Like when people would just drive by like, oh, they have a listing down there. That's a really nice neighborhood. It's like, no, there's totally three more directionals pointing you into the mobile home park. Like <laughs> I love your branding. I'm obsessed with it. Like I stole these uh, little Christmas ornaments because she has a KSA Christmas tree in her yes, office. Yes, we do. It has like the little ornaments all over the kids. looking KSA. over here. And her Audi and her truck are branded. Like it, your branding is on point. He did a really Thank good you. job with that then. I appreciate that. Um, we actually hired that. I mean, Chris is a genius, but he's not a graphic artist. Ironically, I am a graphic artist. Um, I got my, I actually got my degree in graphic design back in the nineties when that was still profitable. Um, before I joined the Marine Corps, but, uh, you know, it's not the highest and best use of my time to sit around and make logos. And uh, so we actually went to and consulted with um, Vargas Design Group, which is here in SoCal. But people come from all over to, to use this guy. And he does a lot of real estate work, but he also, he does other industries as well, but he's really like heavy into the real estate um, branding. And, uh, you know, he did the, the photos and he designed our logo. Um, you know, we basically said, here's the colors we want. Here's what we kind of gave them some very vague <laughs> like ideas. And he said, give me about 10 days. And he called us back into his studio and he had all these screens spread out, like with all of this just stuff just displayed. And I burst into tears. It was that beautiful. Like this guy is a genius. He's not cheap, but we'll have that brand forever. I just feel like it's so you. 
yeah too. like it's bold and it's out there and it's different it's very you it does chris ever get upset that it's not chris mccullough and associates no no sure. i think he's very happy that it isn't <laughs> uh yeah there's some truth to that there's definitely <laughs> some pluses and negatives to being the name on the door believe me like i'm the one who gets all like the crappy phone calls from pissed off people that like weren't even my clients they were like some agent on the team and i'm like and it's it's you know, a lot of it's not even valid. It's just like, well, we moved into this house and no one told us that the neighbors had a dog. And it's like, no, thank you. That kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so you guys are, you own your own brokerage or are you with a brokerage? So we did. That's a journey. Um, so we were a team for about three years and um, we were hung at Signature, which is actually where I'm sitting right now in my messy office at, at uh, the Signature Real Estate Group building. Um, we were hung at Signature. And the really beautiful thing about Signature is it's very, um, well, number one, our broker is an absolutely angel of a human being. Um, she just is one of the best human beings I know, Susan Ebert. Um, but she really has built Signature as a non-brand purposely so that teams and agents can come in and be their own brand and again, state of California is crazy regulations. You've got to have the brokerage on there, but she's like, hey, put it, you know, three inches in the corner of the sign, like the smallest the state will let you make it. This is not about branding signature. And she really, so she really kind of built this, built it as this clearinghouse for teams and agents that wanted to become these really strong brands. And it's been huge for her um, because, you know, it's, those are the those are the types of brands that wind up succeeding is these really powerful brands. It's just kind of where the real estate world is right now. Um, that's it's we're flat fee, three hundred ninety five bucks a transaction. I mean, you really can't argue with that. Again, especially if you want to run a team, obviously you're going to have a team split. You don't want to have a team split on top of a broker split. Then it just doesn't starts to not make sense. So um, anyway, we stayed at Signature for about two and a half or three years. And then I think in a very, very massive move of like ego and assumption that like, oh, that's easy. We can totally do that. We decided to, we got up to about 30 people on the team and it was getting a little bit unwieldy to run. And we decided to, to build a brokerage, same brand, same logo, still KSA, just turned it into a brokerage. Oh my God. Never, 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 never again. Again, and I will once again, and probably many times more, we'll do the same, go back to the state of California specifically and how real estate runs here. It is, that wasn't the only piece. I mean, and we had six partners and we went up to like 120 agents. We opened an escrow company. We opened a lending branch and it was, we had buildings like these huge, like, commercial buildings on the parkway. And then we still had the little building down in Fallbird. And it was just like, all I did was keep people out of court. And in some cases, people whose names I didn't even know. My partner was just blindly recruiting people. They would call me with some question and I'm like, who are you? Like, I work at your brokerage. I'm like, news to me. <laughs> it was, It was absolutely so, I was actually the one that was like, nope, nope, we're going to make this work. It's just growing pains. And, you know, we probably would have. I'm sure we would have. But um, so I was actually the last holdout. Chris was like ready to burn it down like after a year. And I was like, no, 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 it's, it's growing pains. It's been a year. Come on, that's not even fair. Let's like get a plan together. Um, it just, he finally won out. Like he came home one day and he was like, look, look, I'm out. And you guys, can keep going if you want. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, for real? <laughs> and I mean, he really, I mean, he has a very big role. He's kind of the visionary and he's the business coach. He's the sales coach. And Adam, Adam Nagara as well is very good at those things, but those two really kind of play off each other. And I was like, I can't do this without him. You know, I mean, I can, but I don't want to. And it defeats the whole purpose. We were working 19 hours a day and never saw my kids. Um, just all of it. It was just, no. So um, we burned it down, not physically, <laughs> arson. Um, we burned it down in November 
2018. Um, and we came back to Signature. It was the only natural choice. Um, of course, word got around and we got courted by a couple of brokerages, but um, people were making cash offers and look, none of that's real. Somebody offers you $250,000 to bring your team to their brokerage, you're paying that back. Yep. Whether it feels like it or not, you're paying that back. So you're either paying it back in, in blood, sweat, and tears or money or something. So, um, but yeah. something I, okay. So if you don't want to go there, you totally don't have to, but like something really bad happened. Right. Cause like I follow you on social media and I see you talk about like, there was something really gnarly that, it, happened. you know, it wasn't, it's basically exactly what I just said that just a, a decision had to be made. You know, it's kind of like if, um, you know, you have a, a diseased leg and your doctor's like, well, look, you know, you could cut off your leg or you're going to die. So not having your leg sucks, but like dying probably sucks more. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's so really what happened is exactly what I just said, but it was this such a gut wrenching, emotional, like bleed out. Like I felt like I was left bleeding in the street. You know, it's, I can't explain like when you fill your heart, I mean, I'm sure you guys, I don't have to explain because I'm sure you guys all have done it too. When you've built your heart into something that hard, and for me, it's always about all the people I'm bringing up alongside. You know, me and Chris, and we discussed as an option at that time as well, me, Chris, and Adam, or even just me and Chris, me, Chris, and Adam would have been fine. We didn't need all of that. But for me, I'm so passionate about bringing people up alongside and just having this big, like, group victory. And to have to implode that, it was like a death. It was like death. Um, it was one of the most like heart wrenching things I've ever had to do. So, so what's it seem like now? Uh, it's amazing. And so I did, I kind of went through this like depression for about five to six months. Um, number one, the market was garbage. So that wasn't helping. It was like that end of 29 or 2018 going into the winter of 2019. I don't know how your market was up there but our market was utter garbage. So that didn't help. <laughs> um, you know, we financially, it didn't help. Emotionally, it didn't help. At least if I think the market would have been good and we would have been like, okay, let's just pick our bootstraps up and keep going. But there was like nothing to really keep going on. It was, it was terrible. We came back to Signature with a team of six. Um, as we took the brokerage apart, I would say there were about 20 that tried to come with us or wanted to come with us. And we just, we just knew in our hearts that we had to come minimal, small, you know, sleek and streamlined. Um, number one, I mean, it, it was devastating financially. Um, we couldn't take on a bunch of overhead. I couldn't take on a bunch of emotional overhead. I really, we really, it's almost like after a bad divorce, it's like, you know what, I'm going to go get a little one bedroom apartment. I'm going to kind of like curl up in the corner with my blanket and ice cream. And I'm just going to, like heal, you know? Um, and, and again, because Susan's like, I'm getting ready to tear up. Susan's like a mom and she's just such an amazing angel of a person. It really was like having a bad semester at college and going home to lay on your mom's couch for a while. It was, it was beautiful, but I just was, I did kind of go into this little bit of a depression. And, uh, you know, I think when you heal from that, it's, it is almost like after a death or a divorce, there's no like one day where you're just like, oh, I'm good now. You sort of like gradually, but you notice one day or one week, you're like, oh, okay, well, if I look back three months, I do feel better than I did three months ago. And like, oh, look, the market's waking up a little bit. And like, oh, look, I just added two people to the team that are really good to go. Like, and then all of a sudden it's, you just sort of start to pop out of it. Um, it took about almost a year to really fully get good with all of it. So um, to get good with even just the routine change of like, I come here now, I don't have buildings on the parkway anymore. I don't have my little like safe zone building in Fallbrook that I sit at every day and my little crew down there, like it, just even that part of it, the logistical part of it, um, it took almost a year for me to feel awesome about the brand and the team again. And, but when it happened, like, I was like, oh my God, we can like, we're okay. Mm -hmm. or good.
And it's ever since then, it's just been amazing again. And I love it. So I'm very happy that we did what we did. I think if we had kept trying to give CPR to that carcass, we probably would have just made ourselves miserable for much longer. And we would have probably wound up broke. <laughs> so, sometimes it's just time to say, you know what, let's cut our losses. And again, going back to the beautiful thing about building a brand, a true brand, is you just take the brand. It's still the same brand. It was the same brand as a team of 17. It was the same brand as a brokerage of 120. It was the same brand coming back as a team of six. And it's the same brand now with a team of 20 again. It's, it's always going to be that. And what I started to notice too, was as I would go out and, you know, especially in Fallbrook, because again, that's kind of like, even though we're not located there anymore, it's kind of our, we have a bunch of agents that are located there. Um, and it's just kind of our little hometown of our business. And, uh, and cause it's a small town, people notice stuff and they talk and, um, people, nobody noticed. And then that started to heal me too, because it is, it's a huge ego blow as well. It's like, oh, I built this thing and it was amazing. And I had to burn it down like within a year and a half, like nobody wants to have that on your story. Um, people didn't notice I'd run in, uh, nobody outside the industry even noticed. They're like, and even like the, some of the posts you saw, people were like, oh my God, what happened? And nobody knew, nobody knew that knows the difference between a brokerage and a team. Nobody cares. They still sell KSA all over town and all over social media. They didn't know if it was six people, 200 people, 50 people, 20 people. And they, and they don't, they don't care because that's a brand. And so that was so very uplifting to say, okay, the thing that has value here is the culture and the brand, because I can take this brand anywhere and it's always going to be what it is. And nobody's ever going to say, oh, well, you know, they went down to six people from there. Nobody had any idea that was invisible. So that was, that was pretty cool to actually watch and live through. Would you say that bigger is better after what you, after what you went through, would you say that bigger is better? No. Yeah. So like for every person that we've interviewed on this podcast, they have been big players in the game and they've got massive teams. Mm -hmm. And you are the first one for us to interview that has pretty much gone from a huge team down to a little team and you're completely and utterly happy with this small team. Yeah. And that's what I guess, I don't know about the rest of you girls, but that's kind of what I've been wanting to hear from all these people. Cause all you hear is big team, big team, lots of people, lots yeah. of transactions. And to me, that freaks me out. Mm -hmm. So bigger is not always better. I think there's something to be said for, for you know, and, and I think that's the beauty of the industry is there is a business model and a, and a way for everybody. You know, and, and people like to hate on, like, oh, EXP. And look, there's nothing wrong with EXP. There's a right. business model for everyone. If that works for you, fantastic. You know, if, if, being at a traditional big house broker like Coldwell Banker, Keller Williams is works for you. Fantastic. Right. If flat fee works for you. If going and being your own broker works, whatever there's so you can do anything. And you know, if you want to start a team of 500 people, fantastic. I thought that's what we wanted. <clears throat> um, we did it. And the, I think what it is is because I, I really want all these people to have my heart. I want it to be like a family. Um, and I didn't have enough emotional capital to do that. And so basically what happened was, you know, things start to slip through the cracks. Um, they're just, there aren't enough hours in the day because I don't want to hire assistants to teach them about contracts. I want to do it because that's what I'm awesome at. And if they, they didn't join my brokerage, cause that's what I'm known for. They didn't join my brokerage to be taught the things I'm good at by an assistant. They joined my brokerage to be taught by me. And then I would feel like if I can't do it all, then I feel awful and I go home feeling like crap. And, and then I'm beating myself, you know, it's just, it wasn't for me. Now, if, if the business model that you want to pursue is, oh yeah, well, I hired all these assistants and they're great at this. And I found the right people and I delegated everything. Great. That there's nothing wrong with that. It just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for us. It wasn't for my partners. Um, we are growing. Um, we're back up to, I think we're up to 18. Um, and we're, you know, 
we don't recruit. We never really have, um, other than when my partner was recruiting by that. <laughs> but as a team, a team model, we've never really recruited. Um, we kind of let people show up. Um, I feel like if that's, you know, if they feel like our team is for them, then they're going to let us know that. And recruiting people just isn't really what we want to be about. Chris agrees with that wholeheartedly. Um, and so what that winds up engendering is that everybody that's on the team fits here and belongs here. Because I'm not going out trying to convince them that they belong here. They're coming in and saying, hey, I feel like I might belong here. And we put them on a probation period. There's no set date. I've had people get joined up in 10 days. I've had it take 90. Um, but they're basically on a probation period. And, you know, we're still giving them some energy, but not as much as a fully, you know, full-blown member of the team. And we know within a couple of weeks, like, all right, do we think this person is going to work out? Do we not? And it's not just something that the partners say. We involve the whole team. Like, hey, guys, what do you think about Mary, I don't have a Mary, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, do you, and, and they're, and they know they can be honest and they can say, well, you know, she seems really good at this, but she needs some help with that. Sometimes they're like, hell no, like that chick's attitude sucks. That's, we want to hear that. Right. It doesn't matter if all three partners are like, oh, this person's going to be a top producer. Let's hire her. And the whole team hates her. That's a cancer. You can't have that. We've, we've lived through that. We learned all these lessons a hard way. We're not just smart. <laughs> so, like we're not, we're totally not smart at all. Like we're like a dog that walked into the wall like four times. And it's like, oh, maybe I'll go through the doorway next time. Like, you know, like we learned all this stuff the hard way. Um, we've had the little factions that start to develop like, oh, these three over here are a clique and they don't like these two. And then they don't like these other four. And, you know, they think she's annoying and we don't want any of that. Yeah. I don't want any of that. And once you cross, cross the threshold of about 20 people, it's almost statistically impossible to, to have a good culture and not have the outliers. And we don't want outliers. Do so. you have them all in the office with you? Like, are you all in one big office or are they mostly working from home? Well, now they're mostly working from home. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of interesting and it's kind of a hybrid. So when we came back to Signature, um, and Signature's in a big, like this is a, like a 5,000 square foot building. And so there's like kind of the front open work area lobby. There's a conference room, you know, typical brokerage stuff. Um, and then there's offices that agents or teams can rent out. So um, we actually have two offices next to each other. Um, this one and then the one next door. And yeah, I mean, the majority of them are in here. If they don't fit in, because this office is just for the partners. So me, Chris, and Adam are in here. Um, the other office is flex space for the agents. But if they don't fit in there, it's full. They have like the run of this whole building. They have the conference rooms and the cub. There's like a bullpen with cubby holes. So there's still, I would say, pre-COVID, they're still just the people that prefer to work from home. They come in for the team meetings, the brokerage meetings, whatever. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's like the regulars that are in here all the time. Our office actually stayed open through COVID because um, there's an escrow company here, broker-owned escrow. So they were considered essential. And that was basically what was able to keep the whole building open for everybody through the entire quarantine period. I did not come in. Um, I'm kind of over it now, but at the beginning, I was like, ooh. I don't <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I didn't come in for like almost two months. Um, but I know there were some of my guys that were just in, just kept coming in the whole time. So, but yeah, it's kind of a hybrid. And I think what was really cool that we kind of learned from the quarantine period, as I'm sure you guys did as well, kind of everybody did, was, you know, we can, because we have our team meetings Tuesday at 1130 and there'd always be people like, oh, well, you know, I don't, my kid's sick or I have, don't have childcare today. I can't make it. And we're like, okay, they just won't be here. Now I'm like, no, zoom it. We zoomed it that whole time. So we zoom it from the conference room. So whoever's here is here. And if you're, unless you're literally out on a showing, you can zoom from where you're at. And so it's, it's actually brought us kind of closer together because it's eliminated some of the logistical and physical, like, oh, well, I can't make it because my, I have a flat tire, like, okay, cool, go back in your couch and zoom. So, so yeah, it's been really cool, but it, 
I like having everyone here as much as possible, but I'm also extremely respectful because I'm a mom, you know, and me and Chris are both in this business. So I totally get it. Um, extremely respectful of people's lives, you know, um, they're homeschooling or they have special needs kids or they're, you know, not feeling well, um, whatever it may be. So it is what it is. I think it's really cool to see that you've gone through the building and the rebuilding process because I'm still in the mourning process. Oh, you are. I am. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. I, I had a, I had a pretty big brokerage and um, I made a bad decision and um, moved our office to um, take a job doing something that I thought would be good for everybody, but turns out it wasn't. Um, and so we are now back at our old brokerage, but the team basically dismantled and the whole office is gone and we're rebuilding it now. So now I'm, I'm currently in the, I'm past anger now and I'm just in mourning because um, I was really hard on myself because I made that decision for us and I thought it was the right thing to do and it wasn't. Um, no. And it was ego-based probably and realizing what was important and what wasn't. Um, you know, now I've eaten a lot of humble pie in the last six months and I oh, yeah. hate the taste of humble pie. Yeah. Yeah. It's God, you just, I can so empathize with that like everything you just described and you really do go through the stages of grief. Oh yeah. The anger, the guilt, the denial, the mourning, the sad, like it's, yeah, man. I'm just hoping that it'll get better soon. <laughs> it does. You know, it does. Um, I've been like trying not to grow the team and just keep it small until like, you know, we only have, there's only like four of us right now and I don't want it yeah. to get any bigger than that right now until I'm comfortable. Like, I feel like I'm holding everybody else back from. Yes. That's exactly else. what we did. We just kept it, kept it compact, kept it small. Didn't just, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know how else to say that. It, it was like, if we can perfect this with six people, then we can scale it. <clears throat> but what we tried to do before was oh let's just hire everybody and figure it out and like you don't you don't figure yeah. it out you fail it was chaos not only fail yourself but you fail those other people and and that's it yeah it that is a sucky feeling yeah <laughs> i was gonna say that enough to fail yourself if you're failing somebody else and somebody else in your team is failing then it's the massive guilt that it's, it's it consumes you it's terrible. it's awful but i mean i think something to tell yourself is because i know plenty of team leads that don't give a crap about any of their people you know, they really don't. All they see them as is a production number on a spreadsheet. Um, even if they know them personally, they still don't care about them. They're like, okay, leave, I'll hire another one. Um, so I think, you know, when we beat ourselves up, it's also like to go look and take, from, take the positive side of that, which is, hey, I'm beating myself up because I cared about, I care about these people. I care about the people on my team. I wanna succeed. I wanna bring them alongside. And when that doesn't work out the way I hoped or planned, I'm going to feel bad. And if you didn't, then I don't know if I can say asshole, but you're kind of an asshole. You, know? yeah, you, are. you don't care. Then, then you didn't care. Mm -hmm. yeah. Pawns in your game and like, oh, well, it didn't work out. Like that isn't cool. So it's not just business. There's personal stuff. Exactly. That. It's business, but it should be, you should give a crap about these people. Yeah. Um, they well, I know that you're primary and I'm also prior military. And so I think that that has helped me um, to care more. And that's sometimes a hindrance, but I see it as a huge benefit for a lot of people that I care so much. And I, I get pissed off when people leave for no reason. And I, I watch know. them go into a situation that's going to end terribly. I, I hate that. I, it drives me crazy. Like I, I, I can know. see it coming a mile away and you want what's <laughs> best for people. But I Absolutely. think keeping it compact for I, what I'm hearing from Kim is applicable to you. Like, I think keeping it compact is part of the healing because it shows you, you can do this again and that you can still love people and care about them and then slowly add into your world. So I think it's a good thing that you're small right now. Right. And I yeah. did the same thing that you do, Kim. Like when I, when I was um, interviewing agents to join our company, they would go through, you know, the process with me and my husband, who's also prior military. Um, and then after a week or two of, of having them around the office, we would take them out to lunch and we would watch them interact with people and we would all decide as a team if we wanted them there or not. Um, yep. Because we've had some of those cancers and 
it sucks to get rid of them. I mean, it's like when you get rid of that person, you have to basically get rid of anybody that was in their little circle too. So it's yes. kind of like half your team. Yep. Uh, and it's just, it's much, it's, it's so much more worth it to get rid of them as soon as you see it instead of just keeping them there because it's three extra agents that might be producing. That's not what yeah. it's about. I mean, it's going to end up biting you later and it's going to suck. It always does. When it always does. We've had to learn that the hard way so many times. I know. Especially if they're producing. I mean, when we were a young team and we're trying to build and it's like, oh, that, that guy does six deals a month. Like that was a lot for our little young team at that time for one person, you know? We, we were the only other ones doing six deals a month. And it was like, yeah, but he's one, he, you know, he's, he's unethical. He's a legal liability. He's always talking crap. You know, it's always, he's one of those, like the company can never do enough for you. Like you want more, more handout, handout, handout. And we, we let it keep going. And mm -mm, no, you can't, you can't, you have to be willing. And so in later iterations, after we came back here with the small team, the minute I saw what I now refer to as ethical differences um, or, you know, any kind of attitude type issue that was starting to permeate around the team and you, you see it. And that's why I do like having as many of them here physically as I sort of can day to day. Um, you see it and we, don't, we just don't play around with it anymore. You get one conversation. Hey, this is what's happening. You fix it. And then. I don't care if you're doing 30 deals a month, you're out of here. I'm just not going to do it. Uh -huh. so, yeah. So tell us, cause I'm a husband and wife team as well. And I always ask this to another husband and wife team. Do you ever turn it off? Do you ever like when you're at home, do you ever like stop talking about real estate? We try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we do. Um, we have to actually plan it though. Um, we have to literally like consciously say we're not going to, like, we're going to go on a date. We're not going to talk about work. Usually do anyway. Um, but I think, you know, when people are like, oh, how do you do that? Like you can never turn off work. The thing is we both love this so much. Like this is part of our marriage. This is part of our love. I mean, I think that's why back when Chris said, well, I'm going to extract myself from the brokerage partnership. You can keep going if you want. Like, we're still going to be married. And I'm like, are we? <laughs> I mean, not saying that we wouldn't. Okay. Wrong wording. Not saying we're going to split up, but I mean, this is part of the fabric of our relationship, you know? Um, and to me, like talking about work is just like, it's like talking about your kids. Well, you make them, they're your, they're your kids. Like you're going to talk about them, you know, or your mutual friends or, or the house or like the project you're doing in the yard. Like that's all your stuff that's part of the fabric of your bond. And this is absolutely next to our kids, the hugest part of the fabric of our bond. So, and we, and we love it. We're passionate, passionate about it. So, you know, no different than he's passionate about motorcycles or, you know, so we sit around and talk about motorcycles sometimes. Um, we love this. So it doesn't feel like work when we're doing it and it doesn't feel like work even when we're supposed to be off and we're still talking about it. Right. Yeah. So the same way. Yeah. Okay. So like, I love you because you're just so bold and you're so you like you're tatted up and you're super blonde. Like you remind me of like, you're like Gwen Stefani, real estate Barbie. That's what I'm going to call you. Um, <laughs> like old school, cool. Brand that Mario Vargas. Yeah. Not, um, <laughs> Not sell out Gwen though, like old school punk Gwen. But, like, you know, you're, and you guys are like, you're always, you know, he's always in his cut, like on pictures and stuff. Like, do you guys ever come across, like, I don't know what part of California you guys are really in, but like, do you ever come across people that are like, wow, you guys are like out there and we're like stiff and staunchy and conservative. We don't want to work with you guys because of that. I don't want to work with them either. So really don't care. Yep. Yeah. I, I really don't. I, and again, I think it just goes back to, yes, when we were like bursting onto the scene and, and knew, yeah, I'd wear a freaking suit and heels and I'd, oh, oh my God, how many, how many listing appointments I went on in long sleeves in August when it was 110 and like old people that don't turn on their AC and I would just be sitting there dying, you know, cause you do it. 
you do it when you're new, you do what you have to do. Um, within about, you know, after a couple of years, I, no, I just don't care to, if you don't want to do business with me because I post a picture of myself drinking a beer, I, I don't want to do business with you either. Believe me. Like I don't, I have no time in my life for judgy people. And there's, and there's a realtor. And again, to me, I go back to the, there's enough pie for everybody. And there's a realtor out there for everybody. I can give you my favorite, three favorite business cards and my three favorite stuff suits, if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not for me. And it, I'm not, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm good with that. I love that. How old are your kiddos? Uh, they are five and seven. Actually, Mattis will be six in August and Devin will be eight in November. So they're 21 months apart. Oof. So, Wow. So how has being a mom changed the way you do business? Has it forced you to change your schedule at all? Forced you to get help at all? I mean, these oh, yeah. are, like mine is 10 and I've been an agent for 19 years. So they just grow up in the business. Like they don't really get another choice. They're helping totally. with stuff, signs. Yeah. I mean, I... I wasn't really in the business before I had my oldest because that's, that was actually really the catalyst that got me out of the department of defense and into the business fully. Um, so I don't know how else to do it, but so I'm an only child. And the minute my mom found out there was a grandbaby on the way, she literally sold her house in Philly of 40 years and moved out here. Oh, yeah. So, um, she, uh, we built a little guest house for her on our property and, um, she's just always kind of been like the nanny, so to speak. Um, I've had other nannies at different times. My mom doesn't drive. So as soon as they started going to school, I had to get another nanny because somebody had to drive them to preschool and stuff. But yeah, we've always kind of worked it out. Um, I think now that we're a little bit more of a mature business, we have more flexibility, um, I know before COVID and this was our first year doing like our own pickups and drop-offs. And cause I had one in kindergarten and one in first grade, they're on two different schedules at the same school. So that was fun. Not fun. <laughs> um, but you know, then COVID kicked in and now we've all just been kind of been working at home and the kids are out playing in the yard or playing Nintendo and we're all just kind of whatever. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's, I think that's a tough decision and I, I work with my agents a lot on that too that are moms especially if they're single moms or you know the other spouse works or whatever is at what point do you get help and to me it's no different than an assistant at what point in your business does it make sense okay I need an assistant for xyz um it's no you know in your home is the same thing it's like okay are you gonna not clean your house because you're so busy with work making money or are you going to finally decide I want to make that money, but I don't want to live in squalor. So I'm going to hire somebody to clean my house. Um, you know, are you going to run around and with your hair on fire, potentially miss appointments or be late for showings because you had to pick up your kid? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm not even going to put myself in that position. I'm going to hire somebody to pick up my kid. Um, and, and there's no right or wrong answer. Everybody's going to come to that threshold at a different time. Um, you know, we've gone in and out of those thresholds at different times, but um, there's, there's no doubt that it's, you know, the flexibility is beautiful, but it can also be very inflexible at times, but it still beats a nine to five all day long. So. All right. I want to talk about that, uh, picture that you put. Okay. So for people that don't know you, she has this amazing picture that she posted. I'm assuming something happened with the DRE, which is like, we call it the real estate commission here but right. she literally took like all the branding that you're supposed to have on all your signs and all your shit. And she put it all over her face and all over her body, like tattoos. And it's one of her Facebook profile pictures. <laughs> um, I would just like to talk about that giant fuck you to your real estate <laughs> for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite topic is uh, giant fuck you to the DRE. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, um, God, what was that one even? Oh, Oh, I don't even know if I can talk about this because it's still an active <laughs> case. <laughs> These MFers came for my license because when we came back to Signature, so we always have had, I don't know what you guys use for CRMs, if anything, we have FirePoint. We absolutely love FirePoint. Um, I've met Gabe Cordova personally on a, num a number of times. Um, 
they're, it's just a great company, great people. And we've ran through them all. We've had Boomtown, we've had Sync. Um, Firepoint's by far the best one that we've had for our needs. Um, so anyway, you know, you have Firepoint and you can't go on there and edit. I mean, you can change some things like your little, you know, office name or whatever, but mostly you can't really edit that. You have to have them edit everything. So um, when we moved back to Signature, we put a ticket in with, because we, the agreement with the partners, the departing partners was we, Chris, me, Chris and Adam kept the existing Firepoint account and we doled some of the leads, you know, we doled the leads out equally, but we kept the account. So we brought it back and we put a ticket in with Firepoint and we said, hey, you know, here, we're coming back to Signature. Here's the logo. Here's the DRE, blah, blah, blah. You give them all the stuff so they can make the website compliant. Um, they did it. They put the Signature logo back at the top and did. So they did everything. They missed, you know, when you look at a website and there's like the copyright at the bottom, like in like three point font. And it's like, you know, copyright signature real estate group, you know, 2020, DRE number, blah, 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 blah. They missed it there. So we had signature, like all compliant, everything's perfect, huge, boom. They, it still said copyright KSARG, which was the back end corporate of the brokerage, copyright KSARG 2019, DRE number, whatever that, whatever that DRE number was. And to say that I have a hater in this valley would be a massive understatement. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I have several, but this one just happens to have way too much time on his hands. So I get this letter from the DRE and it says, you know, this big like violation and it's like, you have to go to court and I have an attorney. I'm like 11 grand deep right now in attorney fees because they wanted to suspend my license because of the copyright footer text at the bottom of my website that I don't even control. Oh my God. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day, like that whole quote about if you don't have haters, you're not doing it right or you're not doing it big enough. Yeah. Um, but I just like, man, I'm like, a, I have a total girl crush on you. Cause not only were you like, fuck you DRE and all my haters, you were like, Look, I have physically branded my entire body with your stupid DRE rules and requirements. Go to hell. Well, and then I joked about it a couple days ago because um, I think it was rolling into the new year. Pretty sure. Anyway, um, my broker signatures DRE number changed. Mm. It rolled into like a new corporation or whatever. Like shit that I don't have to worry about anymore because I don't own a brokerage anymore. But anyway, their DRE number changed. And I was like, oh, it's a good thing I didn't actually get the tattoos. <laughs> I'd already be non-compliant again. <laughs> That's funny. Our, I don't know if I think our real estate commission is crazy. I definitely think they're crazy in some cases, but I've heard yeah. from a lot of people, California's absolutely nuts. California's insane. And, you know, I, I, I actually did a bunch of research and uh, kind of over like the winter holiday period when, you know, you take a little bit of time off and then again in quarantine because I had time on my hands. And I, I'm still thinking about putting something together and writing out like, because if you look at other industries that are state licensed, um, whether it be cosmetology, whether it be doctors, whether it be, you know, attorneys, whatever, everybody who has a license to do something, absolutely zero of them have the amount of regulation that we do on what we can post on social media on how exactly our signs have to look on how, what the font size is. You know, this woman, this DRE woman came in my office in Fallbrook with a freaking ruler and measured the font size on my open house signs. Yeah. And no. I shit you not. I shit you not. I can't find it. Oh anything. my God. It's somebody else's business card. Okay. It's Richie's pest control. He's great, by the way. <laughs> they, sorry, wrong way. They measured the font size of my DRE number on my business card, because it had to be at least, it's like some crazy, like it has to be at least two thirds the size of blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's utterly insane. It's utterly insane. But what ramification does that actually have on anybody who's ever buying or None. selling? And then the thing, the thing that I really super get on a soapbox about is like, you have straight up predatory dick bag 
piece of shit agents that are harming yep. their clients, harming the profession Bingo. and nobody cares. Nobody does anything. You nobody know, cares. I, so I hardly ever report anyone. I just freaking have better things to do. But if something's egregious, yes, I'll report it. And I'll say I maybe end up doing one or two reports a year because it has to really be egregious. I reported somebody at the end of a transaction that I just closed. I mean, it was absolutely by far the worst transaction I've closed in, in years. And I, I mean, they haven't even replied to my email. It's been like two weeks. Mm -mm. Like, I mean, this person altered, probably shouldn't be talking about this either. This person altered a document that was already signed. I mean, you don't get much more egregious than that. Whoa. Our, know, complaints are, our complaints are like two years out. Hmm? Oh, wow. Well, I'm, and they're using That's COVID as an excuse for everything. I'm like, you guys have been behind the curve since ever. Like now all of a sudden it's COVID's fault. Like, come on, man. Well, and our real estate commission says that like something between like 80 and 90% of all the complaints that actually get filed are like just um, earnest money disputes between buyers and sellers. And the commission like literally will tell you we are a self-policing industry and we wish that more people would step up and say something when they see something bad. But like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me that they care about your font size when they don't care that people blatantly lie and have no disregard for anyone or their contract. Exactly. Like, or just the competency level too. Um, you know, there's unethical and then there's just totally incompetent and not keeping up with, I mean, it's, it's just some of the stuff I've seen and I, I was, I really had a bad couple of months of bad agents, um, during quarantine. And I, and I, because our market kept right on trucking. Like, in fact, we have one of our biggest months ever in March. Um, so I was doing a lot of deals and I just had a really bad run of like really terrible agents. Not all of them, you guys, for somebody who's listening, like I did a deal with you, like it's not everyone. Okay. But I had a bad, <laughs> run and i mean some of this stuff was just like the basics mm -hmm. the basics i'm and i'm sitting here like i was hoping that covid would push bad agents out yep. but it felt like it brought more of them in it's like would you get laid off from target so you dusted off the old real estate license like yep that's what yeah. it, I always, yes. Like, do you get your freaking license out of a cracker jack box exactly she oh, just had to tell her about that crazy one that you just had. So we got shut down for a month out here, real estate wise. First showing on a listing that I have it listed that the child's immune compromised. No kids in the house, no this, no that, the other. Kid pees on all over the floor. No one cleans it up. They sat on my client's daughter's bed, touching everything. Then Monday, this, so we're closing this afternoon. I went to pull my sign in lockbox Monday and do the final walkthrough for her because she's the house is vacant. He did his buyer's final walkthrough Saturday, garage door wide open, front door wide open, key still in the deadbolt. Whole the house had been wide open since Saturday to Monday afternoon when I got there. Oh this my is god. His very first real estate transaction. I called his broker. Yeah, but locking doors is common sense. That's not real estate knowledge. Right? It's not even, it wasn't even one door. It was the garage door and the front door with the goddamn key in it. What the hell? What's going to happen? Not a damn thing. No, nothing. No. Nobody's going to do anything. The goes, will you put that in writing? Yeah, said, fine. After I send it off to the real estate commissioner, sure will put it in writing for you. They, um, they 100% are, I've dealt with Dora. I fucking hate them. Um, so what happens is they go after agents that they know will be able to pay and that's oh it. yeah and they don't care like if it's an agent that they don't see as relevant or doesn't have enough sales to pay a fine they're not going to go after them a hundred percent and they come mm -hmm. after those of us that they know they can find easily it's no different than look and i want to get political but it's no different than getting pulled over okay if i'm going 10 over in my audi and the guy next to me is going 12 over and is like 1979 Dotson, who do you think they're going to pull over? The person that's actually going to pay the fine. Yep. Period. Yep. My Dora issue We're was not going to cite people that do four deals a year. They'll just let their license go. They don't give a crap. Yep. 
Yeah, mine was for paying a military incentive, and it was on the HUD back in 2015. Shit took me, like, two freaking years of hell to go through it for them to figure out, essentially, if they could prove I did something wrong, then I did something wrong. But they don't think right. I did. I don't know. Well, I well, have one. This will blow your mind. I was telling them this the other day. So I had one, like, two years ago where my seller was a Marine, a career Marine, high-ranking Marine, and he was one of the very first, like ring doorbells back then were not a thing. And he was one of the first people that I knew that had a video doorbell. These people showed his house, pulled his flag off the flagpole, put it down on the ground, stomped on it, spit on it, no. put it on the flag holder and walked out the door. And the camera caught the entire thing. The agent did that? The agent and the buyers. Stop and the kid caught right the now. entire thing and they couldn't have cared less, like the commission. So I'm like, it's just. Is that agent still selling? Yes. Wow. <gasps> yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and my seller, and that's the thing, like, how do you even sometimes explain to your clients, like the level of shenanigans that goes on? Yeah. That they're awful or just beyond reproach and you can't even do anything. There's nothing to do about it. I know. It's crazy. I know. My client, the one I just closed with, with the lady that, uh, this agent altered the document. That, that was like the tip of the iceberg repeatedly. The property was gated. There's a gate combo. And then there was a house combo. Repeatedly. The buyer showed up. It was a flip. It was vacant, but he was there like still, you know, periodically like doing maintenance or cause it was a big property. It needed to be mowed. Like it had pawns. Like, so he would be there still sometimes, even though it was vacant and <clears throat> repeatedly the buyers showed up on the property, let themselves into the gate and were about to go let themselves into the house without the agent. And she denied, denied. She's like, Oh no, they were just doing a drive by and they saw that people were on the gate. I'm like, no, 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 no. They let themselves in the gate. Well, that's the thing now, like everybody's got a ring doorbell. A lot of people have cameras inside the houses. So like you yeah. better act right when you're in there. Otherwise people will find out. And like, I'm shocked right now that like we're living in the social media age and nobody has like pulled their ring doorbell footage and like put it on the news yet from all the crazy crap that happened. Seriously, seriously. And I, I you know, I almost feel like what it is is when people are in, cause even, and, and my, my, client that I just closed this crazy one with is a perfect example. He's a seasoned investor. He's a seasoned seller. And um, even for him who's seasoned, the shit was so stressful and he was just so done by the end of it. And you're just so glad it's over. And you're just like, whatever. I'm just glad it's over. Like you don't even want to think about it anymore. And that's why I think like more people. And then the, the DRE it's, it's real funny too, because it's real easy to go on there and like for an agent to report somebody's like sign or social media post that doesn't have 800 license numbers on it. But for a consumer to go in there and actually type out the narrative of what happened, if they don't make the process easy at all, it's like in this 18 step process, you know? So it's almost like they don't want to actually have to investigate anything. They just want the eat like the low hanging fruit of like, oh, yep, wrong font size. That'll be $1,500. You know? So that had to have been another agent, I would imagine. Right? Oh yeah, it always is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Okay. Yep. Oh, the, yeah, that was no. It's okay. <laughs> so I got a, I got an attorney because I was like, I'm not paying them a dime. Yeah. Um, I got I got an attorney, and I was like, no, we're gonna fight this. And I was like, because I'm petty like that, and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, here's the deal, I have worked very hard in my life to be able to afford to be petty. And I am petty and I will pay my attorney 25 grand before I will pay the DRE eight freaking cents. I am not kidding. Like if they sent me a letter today and like, we can make this go away for 400 bucks. I'd be like, nope, mm -mm. no, I'm just gonna keep hemorrhaging money to my attorney because I'm not gonna have one. I'm not gonna have that showing up, that BS on my license at any, it's public info, anybody can look up and I'm not gonna let this guy win. Well, so I got my attorney, he's like the best in the business down here. He used to work at the DRE. So he, um, you know, we were able to obtain the information of the person who did the reporting, let's put it that way. 
Well, my favorite is when they, like this just happened to me last week. We're in a negotiation and the other agent isn't getting what he wants. So he calls my broker and threatens me with a commission complaint. And oh, my broker, yeah. my broker is like, uh, well, what, what, how he called my broker because he threatened me with a commission complaint first. And I was like, uh, I've done absolutely nothing wrong, but if you want to waste the time and the effort to go ahead and make a complaint, I will give you the website. Here it is. So then he called my broker and my broker was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like you can do whatever the hell you want, but there's been no problem or anything done by the agent here whatsoever at all. But like, I just like, who does that? What, I, could you imagine actually saying that to somebody? Oh yeah, I can. Cause I have another one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jealous so, agents don't sell homes that file complaints. Seriously. I had one fall out practically brand new houses. It was the model. It was the former model in the community has every possible upgrade and it's only like seven years old. This falls out on like day 28. Now, this is after this agent goes back and forth with me. They sent a request for repairs, and I don't know, like every state's a little bit different with that whole process, but <clears throat> they sent a request for repairs. We agreed to the stuff on the request for repairs. We did all of it. I sent my contractor up there. The home's vacant. The seller doesn't even live in the state. Sent my contractor up there and got it all done. Sent everything over, and she says, oh, no, 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 we wanted it done this other way. And I said, well, that's not what you said on the request for repairs. She's like, well, the buyer's not going to sign loan docs. Now loan docs are in escrow. Buyers aren't going to sign loan docs unless you rip the ceiling out and, the, you know, all this other extra, extraneous stuff that didn't need to happen. And I was like, no, that's not what you put on the request for repairs. You put A, B, and C. That's what we did. Now you want X, Y, and Z. It's too late. Lift the contingencies in writing. Well, this is like kind of at the beginning of COVID. So she just, she thinks she's going to be smart and use COVID as an excuse. I'm like, Really? Mm -hmm. So California's actually come out with a bunch of forms for like COVID contingencies. We didn't have any in that transaction because it initiated before COVID, but my seller is not an asshole. Like she has a heart, you know, if like truly you genuinely lost your job on day 28 and you lost the loan, she's going to give back your deposit. Right. You know, she's not, even though legally she probably doesn't have to, she's going to, she's not a dick. So she sends me this text, the agent, and it's like, so now all of a sudden, because we said no to like your magical, like new list of repairs that you came up with on day 28, now all of a sudden the buyer lost hours at work and they can't close the loan. I'm like, oh, I already knew it was BS, but I was like, I'm going to play along here. I'm like, oh my God, I'm really sorry to hear that. I said, listen, I know the contingencies are removed, but look, send me the letter of denial from the underwriter. And I mean, yeah, no harm, no foul. I mean, stuff happens. I must have asked her for that letter of denial. I am not kidding. Like if I went in my email and searched the term letter of denial, it, there'd be like 28 instances with her. Like, and she didn't get it. She thought they were just going to lie and we were just going to be like, oh, sorry, here. No. So she sends a cancellation over. It's not even filled out at all. I'm like, this isn't even filled out. So she sends another cancellation over. And so in California, they can unilaterally cancel. The seller doesn't have to sign and agree to the cancellation, but they have to sign and agree to what happens with the deposit. Correct. She sends a cancellation saying the buyer wants a deposit. And I'm like, okay, well, we're canceling. She's bugging me for two weeks. So finally, I include her broker. And this, this is like the moral of the story. I finally include the broker and the broker doesn't get it either. Oh my God. Just as bad. These brokers are just as bad. And then he brokered the email and he's, and he's saying, and I'm like, all of this is legally incorrect. All of it's incorrect. All of it. He just had no, he's like, they're not funding FHA loans during COVID. And I'm like, yeah, they are. I closed like six of them last week. Yep. What are you talking about? So does Chris ever step in and be like, Kim, holy shit. Chill. Cause that's oh, yeah. Yeah, I was curious. Yeah. Like, because if I were to be like, um, I'm going to pay the 25 grand to a lawyer before I'll pay 400 to the commission, um, I'd get my ass kicked for that. So no, he's all matter. about that. He's all about that. He, yeah, that's, he's fine with that part. But it's like, you know, he does more like on the Salesforce side and all the coaching with the team. I'm the transaction person. So I'm the one dealing with all these idiot agents. 
<laughs> he doesn't have to deal with much of that most of the time. So I'm the one that's always running around with like drinking by 2 p.m. Like, ah! <laughs> and he's like, dude, calm down. I'm like, you don't get it. You don't, you don't get, get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can vent all day, but it's like, if you're not dealing with, it's just the, the, the confidence is what gets me. It, it's, it's. And it's common sense. Like it's not, it's not even legal shit. It's I know. sense. Like locking doors or not sending unauthorized people onto properties. <laughs> there is no common sense in this industry. You no. guys know, right? That's the uncommon rule. The majority yeah. of people, 95% of the people have no common sense. Yeah, true. That's what we deal with every day. Yep. <laughs> well, on that note, I would like to thank you for being so lovely and competent and wonderful and for coming on our show. I'm sure today. there are those that disagree. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong. So <laughs> yeah, we're team Kim. They're wrong. If you ever need some uh, help down there, we'll pull out our earrings real fast and roll right. down to something for you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was so nice to talk to you. Thank I know. You so Thanks for having me. Yeah, we love fun. you. Thank right. you. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.